some of the greatest work that God does in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives is through the struggles. Why do we not pray for struggles? Why do we try to pray them away? I just want them to go away. I don't want to even get out of bed. I just need this thing to disappear. And God says, no, 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 no. I am doing a great work in your life. Get out of bed and walk through the storm. This is audio from Century Baptist Church. To connect with us, visit centurybaptist.org or download the Century Baptist Church app. I have said uh, over and over again that Embrace is one of my favorite events that we do here at Century. Melanie and Rachel just do a fantastic job of putting that together and uh, dedicating our children. And so we had 19 kids uh, that were dedicated, and uh, we do it about every six months. So if you've never gotten a chance to be a part of it, we would love for you to be a part of it. It's just a really great time of getting family and friends together uh, as we just uh, tell the Lord that we want to work together as a church to help kids become more and more like Jesus. Good morning, church. Uh, welcome this morning. Thanks for coming. Um, today, just to give you a little bit of a heads up, I know it, it, for me, I don't know about you, it doesn't feel like the holidays are right here. Thanksgiving and Christmas are right around the corner. And, um, and I mean, maybe it's because we don't have any snow. Let's just keep it that way. Um, but uh, today what we're going to do is we're going to take one kind of uh, final look at Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. Then we're going to kind of hit pause on it for a few weeks. Next week we're going to take a look at uh, just why we can be grateful for uh, who God is and what He's done in our lives. We're then going to take some weeks and focus on Christmas. And uh, this year's theme is going to be Christmas in stereo. So we're going to look at the songs that have been sung in Scripture, Mary's song and Zechariah and uh, the, the angels and the shepherds. And uh, just to give us a, a real, bring us in on a focus uh, to, um, to what the season is all about and what God wants to do in our hearts. And uh, why not, right? I'm a fan of music. So when I was late grade school, uh, maybe early middle school, um, my sister and I, we went to the Rainbow Shop when it was in Kirkwood Mall, and we got uh, one of our first full albums uh, by a band called U2. And U2 obviously has grown over the years, become one of the biggest rock bands in the world, and my relationship with them has kind of gone like this, because uh, you're a rock band, you're Christians, are you a Christian rock band, are you Christians in a band, sometimes doing stuff that maybe doesn't seem like they should as Christians, and I get grief sometimes, how can you be a pastor and listen to you too? And like, well, listen to the words of the music. These are men that are struggling. They started out as a youth group worship team, and they, even their own youth pastor said, I don't know if you can actually uh, be a rock band and travel the world. You need to be back here at church. And they said, we want to take the gospel out. And so they went off and were doing their own thing. And there's been this uh, lifelong wrestle in, with their own faith. And they're challenging of believers in the church. But I got to tell you, I love them. Uh, and, and yeah, are there things that they do that I don't agree with? Yes. Okay. So let it be known. Um, however, uh, I have a group of pastor friends and we get together once in a while whenever they're on tour and we try to get together and, and go and, and be a part of this. And we talk a lot about their songs and the words. And um, Anyhow, we had a chance a few weeks ago, one of my friends uh, was able to get some tickets and we went to the new $2.3 billion sphere that's been built where U2 has a residency and it's this if you can just imagine this entire room being twice as high and nothing but one big LED screen, it was just a sight for 
uh, all of the senses. And so we had to get there early because we got the cheap seats. We stood on the floor. We got there at 7 a.m. And we had to get in line. And then we had to be back at 4 o'clock to go in and stand there until 8.30 when the band was going to come out. And we get to know the people around us. And I'm getting somewhere with this story. Uh, and, and all of a sudden the lights go down and, and, uh, and we can kind of see some shadows emerging and they're going up on the stage and, uh, we were all about five or six rows from the stage and I was pretty excited. And then one of the worst things in the world happened, technology, right? So here we are in the greatest event center that's ever been built for concerts. In my opinion, one of the greatest group of musicians ever assembled come out on the stage and everybody in front of me, as soon as I'm just waiting. What's this experience going to be like? Everybody in front of me does this. Oh, oh, right? All the phones come out. Everybody's phones are lit up and I can't see a thing because everybody for some reason uh, doesn't want to see people in real uh, time and in real size. We got to look at tiny on our phones and they're glowing and blinding everybody. And I was just like, you know, all of a sudden I would put them down, right? I'm like, put it down. I want to see. I can't. See, nobody listened to me, right? And so the, the entire concert, I got to watch uh, a concert through the, the eyes of other people on their phones. Let me just say, church, stop it, right? If, if you go to a concert, just put the phone, you're there. You're in the presence of it. Enjoy it. I say all of this because today we're going to take a look at a couple of people that Jesus came across that they just wanted to be able to see. They wanted clarity and and what needed to happen is they needed to be healed from uh from their blindness and i wonder today for all of us if we can see uh that through our struggles that god wants to do some great things and we all want greater clarity there's just some things that we just have to to get out of our way and and people just need uh to work with each other and just to put the distractions down. It's interesting today that, that as we look at this text and Jesus is coming out of Jericho and there are these two blind men that are sitting on the side of the road um, that, that they just want to see. But if you go to the parallel passage in Luke chapter 19, what you're going to find is that while Jesus was in Jericho, there's another story of somebody else that wanted to see Jesus. His name was Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. And, and uh, if you remember from, from the story, he had to climb up in a tree just so that he could get a good perspective, that he could have clarity, that he could see who Jesus was. And so we've got kind of this theme of, hey God, uh, we just want to see. And we know that, that we need your help uh, to do it. I think that oftentimes we all feel that way when we're in, when we're in the middle of struggles. Maybe illness comes, we get some bad news. Maybe we're in the middle of just a, a rough patch and we're like, God, we just want to see what it is that you're up to, what it is that you're doing and, and who you are. And so here's what happens um, in Matthew chapter 20. Let me just start. I want to read for you verses 29 uh, to 34. If you would, let's stand together as I just uh, read this. and We'll just honor the word says this, as they went out of Jericho, that is Jesus and his disciples, a great crowd followed him. And behold, that, that word behold, whenever Matthew uses it a lot, it means, now pay attention to this. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. 
The crowd rebuked them and told them to be silent, but they cried out even more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and they followed him. Let's pray. Father, uh, your word is beautiful. These moments in time, God, we oftentimes read them and say, I wish I could have been there uh, to, to have seen that take place. But God, we know you're doing this every day. Open our eyes that we would have greater clarity to what it is that you're doing in our life and the lives of people around us and in this world today as we spend a whole lot of time focused on talking about what the enemy is doing in this world. God, may what we see you doing be even clearer and may we proclaim it louder for your glory. Uh, teach us now, God, as we walk through your word in your name. Amen. You could have a seat. <clears throat> Let's just begin. If we're going to gain greater clarity in our relationship with Jesus and understanding of what he's up to in our life, we have got to, first of all, see the who over the what. In other words, we have to see who God is over, over what it is that's taking place in our life. So we finally get a description as to where Jesus is on his journey. For the last number of months, we, we've been on this journey of Jesus and his disciples making their way from the Galilee region down to Jerusalem. Jesus is going to Jerusalem where he will lay himself down on that cross, give his life up for us to rescue us from our sin, to give us what it is that we need, which is salvation and a life, eternal freedom from slavery, from sin. And Jesus uh, now is coming out of the town of Jericho. Jericho is only about 15 miles from the city of Jerusalem. Uh, there's been some activity that's taken place here. He's built up a bit of a crowd, and now Matthew says, as he's leaving the city, uh, which the very next narrative, the next story we're going to study when we come back in the new year is going to be um, the triumphal entry. And so Jesus is, is right on uh, the heels of this massive event that will take place in his ministry uh, and so he's attracted a crowd. Obviously, everywhere he goes, as he teaches, as he heals, the crowd gets bigger and bigger. But know this, that he's also going during a very specific time, during Passover. Um, Jerusalem in ancient times in Jesus' day was said to have about 75,000 residents in the city. But during Passover, between two and a half to three million visitors would show up. And so you can imagine, as Matthew says, a very large crowd was with Jesus. It was probably a very, very, very large crowd. Lots of noise, lots of activity. Uh, they're coming out of this city, and here sit these two men who have a great need. They need to be healed in their mind. And Jesus is passing by, and the best they can do is just scream out to get his attention. Lord! Have mercy on us, the son of David. And they need to get his attention. They know that Jesus can do it. And I wonder just today, as, as we just kind of sit and go, I wonder where I find myself in this passage. A lot of us can say, I kind of feel like I'm, I feel like I'm one of those two guys. I may be sitting outside the, the crowd and I've got a struggle going on and I need some help and, and I don't, nobody's been able to help me, but I think, I think I know that Jesus could do it. I just have to get through the noise. I need to be able to, I need to, be able to get his attention. I want to be able to see him. 
but my situation is, is really fighting against that. Does your situation that you're in right now, maybe you're going through sickness, illness, maybe you need healing, maybe there's a struggle. Does it have you anticipating what Christ could do in your life? Or do you sit and see it as somehow Jesus is against you? We should see all of our situations. Here's an opportunity for me to grow closer to God. We know from John 9 that when Jesus was coming out of a temple one day at a previous visit to Jerusalem, there was a a man who was born blind and and somebody asked Jesus, said, "Who, who sinned? Uh, that would cause this man to be born blind, his parents or himself. And Jesus' response was great. It's a response that we all need to be reminded of. Jesus says, he's not suffering with blindness because of anything that he or his family did. He's actually dealing with it for this very moment right now so that God could be made known in doing something great in his life. How many of us accept our situations, our struggles, Uh, with that kind of an attitude and that proper theological perspective god's not up there just looking at every life and go well because you did this you're getting this and but, but we oftentimes feel that way don't we god why me what did i do to deserve this that's not the question that we're supposed to ask is god what do you want to do in the midst of this to make your name great let me be your servant in the middle of all of this the question is, am I willing, am I willing to let God use me in whatever way that, that He would desire, whether it's sickness or illness or struggles, death? They were not a part of the original design in creation. Heard somebody say once that in the seven days of creation, it's never mentioned of when God made a cemetery. Right? De- death was not a part of that. Death and illness and sickness came as a result of man's sin. And, and all of a sudden, the world began to decay, and we live in that world. We, as sinful humans, deal with the falling apart of our world each and every day. The good news is that Revelation 21.4 says that, that there is coming a day because of our King that reigns on high, there will be a new heaven and a new earth and there will be no struggle, there will be no tears, there will be no pain, there will be no sickness. What we need to do is to have a full dependence upon the great Creator today to trust Him that He is doing a great work no matter what we think our situation is. But these men know what they need. They know what they want. They want healing. We would love to be able to see. We'd love to be able to see others. And we'd love to be able to see you, Jesus. We want to see. Because as we know, in ancient times, if you struggled with, with any type of uh, a, an illness or a lifelong struggle, the belief was what a lot of people believe, is that they'd, they'd done something wrong, so we don't have anything to do with them. So they're left to fend for themselves. They live outside of the city and the city gates and they're trusting only on whether or not people are going to give them some coins or some food but these men don't want it they we've had enough coins and enough food we want we want healing and we know that you can provide it which i think is amazing because they were 
They're sitting there and out came a giant crowd. This was their opportunity. This is our opportunity to get a, get a lot more money if we ask or, or some food. This is great. We got a huge crowd coming and they don't care about it. We, we, we want what we know that, that the number one person in this crowd can give. We want to see. And so they cry out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And I love the way that they say it. They say it twice. But what they've done is they've sandwiched their, their what it is that they need between uh, their proclamation of who they can believe can give it. Lord, it starts with, you are our king. You're our ruler. You're our number one. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Son of David was... Uh, was a way that you would proclaim that you believed that he was the Messiah. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 7 as uh, the prophet Nathan comes to David and, and, and says, God gave me a word to give you. And God said that he's going to make your name great, but it's going to be greater in the generation to come after you rather than just you, David. Out of your line is going to come one whose kingdom is going to reign forever. And so the ancients cling, they clung to that. And they claimed it, that David was a great king, but there is a greater king that's going to come that's going to be our Savior, whose kingdom is going to be established forever. He's going to be our Messiah, and we believe in him, and we're waiting for him to come. And it was these two gentlemen who were outside of the city that couldn't even see him, but in great faith said, you are our Lord, you are our King, you are our Messiah, you are our Savior, you're the one who's establishing a great kingdom, and we believe in who you are, and we want you to have mercy mercy on us. They started with Jesus' identity before they started with, here's what you need to do for us because of who we are. It's we believe that you can do this because of who you are. And interestingly as well, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 29, 18 and 35 verse 5 uh, says that in the new day of Jerusalem, in other words, when the Messiah comes, he is going to come and he's going to restore a sight to the blind. And so there was this belief, as we know, that when the Messiah comes, there'll be healing in his wings. And they just, they just clung to it. They believed it. They claimed it in great faith, and they spoke it with their mouths. You're Lord, and you are the Son of David. You are the Messiah. And we're begging you to have mercy on us and show us who you are. They had a great need, but their faith started in and who they had faith in. We believe that you can do this. And they acknowledge it. Just like we're called to when it comes to salvation. We know that we have a need. Our hearts need restoration. Our sin needs forgiveness. But it has to start with the who. Romans 10.9 says you need to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That He's King over your life. That He's Lord over this universe, that He's the only one that can defeat sin and death, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. Your healing starts with who? Well, all of a sudden some opposition rises up. These men have great faith, but they continue to have faith despite the opposition. They're going to keep their focus on the one that can heal them, and it says that the crowd began to reprimand them, tell them to be quiet, you need to be silent, don't talk. We've got an important guy here, you're nobodies. He's not going to stop and help you, you need to, 
silence yourself. They got angry with them. They tried to quiet them down. I'm sure along with it came shame. I think, too, maybe the reason that the crowd was trying to silence them is maybe at the same time the crowd didn't fully understand and believe who Jesus was. There's a lot of people in that crowd, some of them maybe not even knowing. They're just following on the road, and here's this guy at the front, and these two men are claiming that he's the son of David. And like, shh, you guys don't know anything. You haven't been to school. You don't read. He's not the son of David. Who do you think you are to proclaim something like this? But these men believed it. They don't let others say, naysay them or hold them back from who Jesus is. And and I love it because it says the more they tried to silence them, they got louder. Nothing is going to keep us from getting to Jesus. Nothing's going to stop me from proclaiming that he's my king. I'm not going to even let the people that are followers of him tell me that, that I shouldn't be. And that I should be quiet. If we don't have a proper perspective, we will so easily let the voices of others silence us or cause us to think otherwise about who God is and what He wants to do in our lives. We can also become very guilty if we keep listening to the crowd of becoming part of that crowd. We're people who come with struggles and they don't know how to deal with them and I think Jesus can can heal me and Oftentimes, we as believers, if we don't truly believe in who Jesus is, we can, we can reason away why somebody should just stop believing that their life is going to be changed. And it's sad, and we hinder people's faith. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says it's our job as the church, as believers, as disciples of Jesus, to encourage one another and to build each other up. That crowd should have said, man, guys, get to the front of the crowd. You want to get on the heels of Jesus? We will get you there. And you can lead the way in helping us to truly believe in who He is. James 5 says that we're supposed to be patient in the middle of our struggles. Always, constantly focused on crying out to God. Like a farmer waiting for precious fruit to grow, we are just patient that God hears us when we pray. He knows the struggle that we're going through and He is at work. It's up to Him what the harvest is going to look like. And James says, if you're sick, pray. Pray with faith that God is going to heal and God is know that God is always at work in the middle of your situation. There was a, another similar situation, Matthew chapter 9. We looked at this quite a while ago, but There were two blind men in Jerusalem that came to Jesus. They actually came inside of a house. Jesus pulled them in the house, and he healed them. Uh, And and he told them, though, he said, now when you go from here, don't tell anybody about what I've done for you. And if you recall, we talked about this, is the reason was that this is early on in Jesus' ministry, and and at the time, as, as Jesus, as much compassion that he had for people, he was continually healing people, but it was starting to overshadow the message that he was sent to preach and the mission that he would go on. And we talked about this, that, that, if, that if everybody just saw him as a great physician, as a great healer, that the crowds would rally around him and they would just elevate him as a really great person who does great things for people. And they would not allow then for him to go to the cross and to die and to sacrifice and be 
who we needed him to be. And so oftentimes Jesus says, I'm, I'm, not, going, I'm not going to heal because I need people to know that, that the healing that I truly give is so much bigger than physical. But I'm going to heal spiritually. And so he would tell his disciples as they go, hey, we need to go. There's a lot of people waiting for you to come and heal. And he goes, yeah, we're not, we're not going back to town. We're, we're going on. It's not because Jesus didn't have compassion. It's because he had great compassion for the deeper needs that each and every one of us had. But it was in that moment that Jesus healed those two blind men. He said, now don't go and tell everybody what I've done for you. Because it would have hindered the mission. Now... In this situation, they cry out, they scream out, and Jesus stops the crowd. He's not going to let them silence them, and he heals them, and they follow him for what it is that he's done because Jesus is he's about to fulfill the mission. Proclaim it. Let people know who I am, Savior, Lord, Redeemer of all of mankind. Romans 12, 2 says that that we're supposed to present our bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. Don't be conformed to this world anymore, Paul says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the will of God that's His good, acceptable, and perfect will. Our healing begins, again, an acknowledgement of who God is and saying, I believe that you can do this. I believe that you can fix this. This struggle that I have, this illness that I have, this relationship that I'm in. Whatever it is, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The world says, shh, be quiet. He's not who, he, who you think he is. He's not going to do this for you. What, do you. what makes you think that you deserve to have this thing fixed? That the God of the universe would take time out to consider you. And Paul says you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind toward the will of God. And the will of God is that you would know him, that you would grow close to him, that you would fall in love with him, and that you would trust him with every part of your life. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, those that are mature think different from the world. And he says, you keep your eyes on those that walk as true believers. As you follow Jesus because he's transforming you, this lowly body of yours, to be one day like his glorious body. And he has the power to subject all things to himself. So you stand firm you do not let the things of this world or the naysayers take you away and tell you who jesus is you trust his word and the people that are mature in christ and you just say if that's who jesus is that's the one i'm going to follow because he can fix this in my life so jesus he understands that he sees a great faith in these men he stops the crowd he hears their voice he hears lord Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stops everybody. And he goes back to them and it says he's got great pity or he's got great compassion. means compassion from deep within his guts. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? And they just say, could you just open our eyes? We, we want to see. We want clarity. We believe in who you are. We believe that you can do it. And would you do this for us? <coughs> and they ask it in great faith. I am uh, not only a fan of music, uh, I'm a, a bit of a fan of, I'm a creative, right? So I like art. Here's a painting that was um, uh, from the mid-1600s. 
uh, an, a French artist name is Nicolas Poussin, and and uh, he painted this uh, the healing of the blind men in Jericho. Um, obviously, this is an artist's rendition, but I mean, I always I go to I go to theologians, and I go to commentaries, I go to other books. Why not go to artists as well to kind of go? I wonder what their perspective is on it. He got it wrong in a little in in just a few ways. Obviously, that's not a very great crowd, um, but but it's enough to understand what's going on. Also, everybody's white uh, in the painting, right? Which is pretty inaccurate. Um, uh, but but that's not the point. The point of this is is uh, is in the detail. You know how like you always see people maybe at, at museums and they can stare at paintings for like hours and you're like, I don't. What are they doing? Uh, it's because you're checking out every detail. And the one detail that I love about this that proclaims the faith of this man and the mindset that Poussin had in, in this painting, uh, you can't see it here, and so I had to kind of lighten it up, and I added a circle to it. But, but uh, right there, you know what that is? That's, that's their walking sticks. Uh, what they needed in order to see when they couldn't see. And what this painting is showing and what the artist's rendition is is that this shows the power of these men's faith is that they came to Jesus leaving what they needed to see behind because what they needed to see was in front of them. Great faith in who Jesus was and what it is that he could do. For each and every one of us, do you live with that kind of faith? One, that Jesus is who he says he is, but that he will do for you what it is that you need because here's the thing the god of the universe the creator of all things the one that's conquered death and sin the only one that could do all of that has all the power in the world to heal you and to fix your struggle but when it comes to faith what we have to understand is we must never come to god demanding that he must and th- that's and that's huge for us let's never forget that as i said there were times in jesus ministry where he chose not to heal because he wanted to do something greater can we see our struggles as that we can have that kind of a perspective jesus i believe and we're called we're called to pray for for healing if any james says if any of you're sick call together the elders of the church call together the brothers and sisters and pray why not it's we believe that you can do it, but we also have to pray into God's will saying, but if you choose not to, I still know that you're going to do something great through it all. I have had uh, the privilege as, as a pastor, and I know many of you, walking alongside a lot of people at Century who've gone through illnesses and struggles and death and uh, just heartbreaking situations. And they're awful, and we try to pray, and it seems as though what we're praying for, our wants and our desires, it doesn't seem like God is working, but then now you look back on it, maybe uh, months, years later, and you go, I've seen the goodness of God. I've seen His greatness. He, He chose maybe not to heal somebody. Oh, but what He's done through that situation. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Don't lose heart. Understand this. Though our bodies are wasting away, this is just a light momentary affliction. And those light momentary affliction, our struggles are just a reminder 
that the inner self is being renewed day by day. That means that God is doing something greater. That's a, that's a crazy perspective to have. That's called transforming your mind. That's thinking uh, into the will and the understanding of God is that, is that it seems as though that what my body is going through is painful and it's miserable and God, I want it to be fixed. And God says, yeah, but, but what I want you to realize is that, is that what you're going through is just a reminder that I am doing a greater work for the ultimate healing of rescue of sin and an eternity with me. Do you live with that kind of perspective where you don't lose heart because everything, every affliction we go through is just a reminder that our inner self is being renewed day by day, that we need God, that He sees us, that He loves us, and He's doing a great work. Paul says in Romans 5, so I have peace with Christ. To rejoice in the hope of the glory of God and rejoice all the more in all of your sufferings because your suffering produces a closer longing and a relationship with Christ. I don't believe that God is up there just dealing out uh, illnesses and sickness to people based on how they're living their lives. It's not the theology that I, that I believe based on what I read in Scripture. But I also believe as I read through Scripture that just because we're, we're healthy meaning that God's doing something great in our lives. It's very clear over and over again that, that some of the greatest work that God does in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives is through the struggles. Why do we not pray for struggles? Why do we try to pray them away? I just want them to go away. I don't want to even get out of bed. I just need this thing to disappear. And God says, no, 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 no. I am doing a great work in your life. Get out of bed and walk through the storm. Go through the desert. Trust in me because I want to teach you things that you cannot be taught when you just think that you're living the high life and the good life because we all know it. When life is good, we don't need God. right? We, what we do is we say, oh, I'm, just, I'm blessed. When's the last time that you went through the valley and you said, man, this is the greatest blessing that I have ever received? Because sometimes it is. Because God is saying, look, you, you prayed that you wanted to go deeper in your relationship with me. You prayed that, that you wanted to have a greater peace, that you wanted to grow in your trust in me. And I'm allowing you to go through these opportunities so that you can cling tighter to me. So you can grow in the word, that you can dig deeper into it and fall more in love with me. Because I am going to walk you through it. Don't think that, that just because you have an illness that it's a bad thing. It can be amazing. That's a transformed and a renewed mind. Have peace with Christ. Rejoice in your suffering because it produces in you something greater. God, if this is going to help me get closer to you, then you do whatever it is that you want to do in my life. It's a lot easier said than done. But we have to say it. And then we have to live into it. Whatever it is, God, that you bring my way, I will see it as your way of drawing me close to you. Why were these men without sight for that moment? How long they were that they couldn't see, that they, that they wished? How many days they sat by those gates and starving and not knowing what the future hold, held for them? 
the crowd trying to push them away and not wanting them anywhere near them and telling them to be quiet, all for that moment when, when Jesus would once again be shown to an, a huge crowd of how great he actually was and the things that he could do. Jesus stops, has pity and compassion uh, on them, and he heals them. Some people say, well, maybe the reason that, that you, you don't, I mean, that we, we, we try to do a great job and as believers and speaking to others, you just have to have more faith. That's what we say often. You just have to have more faith, more faith. Jesus said, if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. People have a hard time under, what does that mean to have, how can I have more faith? The Apostle Paul was one of the greatest apostles of all time. I don't know anybody that I read in Scripture that had a greater faith than him. And he said, I'm struggling with a thorn in my flesh. He had an illness of some sort that was a distraction that oftentimes would take him away from being able to do what he was supposed to do. And he said, I cried out to God over and over and over again, fix this, take this away. He had faith he could do it. And he said, but God, let me continue to have it because he knew that it was in that that I would realize how great God is, my dependence on him, how much I needed him, so that I could remind myself that the power that I have in doing ministry is not under my own power, but, but that I could understand that God is at work in my life. It is not about having more faith. It is about having faith and knowing that the one who's in charge is in charge and letting him be and being okay with it. Ephesians 3, Paul says, So pray for strength to comprehend the love that surpasses all earthly knowledge so that you could be filled with the fullness of God. Father, help me to understand what it is that I'm going through and how I can stay true to you in the midst of it. Isaiah 55 says, God's ways aren't our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So our prayer needs to be just, so God, work out your will in my life, whatever that looks like. I just want to know you more. Whatever it is you allow to happen in my life, I will receive it with great joy and I will proclaim your name to the people around me. Remember this, Jesus is on his way to his death and he stops and he cares for people that have a great need. But even Jesus prayed when he gets to Jerusalem, we'll pray, Father, I don't want to go through that suffering. I don't want to go through that pain. I don't want to go through that struggle. Take it away from me. Then he says, but if it's your will, Jesus had all faith in the world that the Father could rescue him. But he says, but if it's your will that I have to do, go through this to redeem humanity, then, then I'll take it. And that's the attitude of Christ that we should have. God, I don't, none of us wants to go through struggles, pains, illnesses, sickness, whatever it is. But God, if, it's gonna, if it means that your name is going to be made great through my life, then all we can do is I will humbly submit to let you do whatever it is that you want to do. Either heal my illness or heal the heart of the person who's going to hear uh, my testimony. It's all uh, up to you. These men were healed, and their response was to follow Jesus. Whether or not you receive what it is that you think you deserve, will you follow Jesus no matter what, some people will experience a sovereign healing of God in their life. And some will suffer and not be healed until heaven. But in every circumstance, I pray that this passage today 
has brought comfort to your soul and that whatever comes your way, whatever seems uncertain to you today will just be a a mere vapor here on earth because in eternity we will have forever the perfect joy and clarity on who God is. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Thank you for your word. My prayer, God, is that you would help each and every one of us to be able to live this out, beginning and starting in our hearts and in our minds. That we would know and understand that you are the God that heals, but God, we never proclaim or claim that because of who we are, that, you, that you've got to do things our way. Help us. That we, would, that we would conform our way to your way. That we would seek out your will. And that we would rest in the fact Whatever you decide is good. So we praise you for healing. I pray, Father, over this room and, and those that have been crying out, God, whether it's just been days, weeks, or even years, that, that you would heal. I pray, Father, that, that, you would, that you would do that. But, Father, at the same time, we also know that, that sometimes in certain situations, it's just not your will because you've got something greater in mind. For that, help us to be thankful to be hopeful, and to keep our eyes focused on our King. Amen.